You know, many people experience happenstance in terms of they maybe didn't necessarily plan on entering a specific field or industry, but a conversation or an opportunity led them onto a specific path that they didn't even know existed, but there they are. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Cassie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is the reversal of roles, right? Like you had me on your podcast a couple of weeks ago and now I have you on mine. Yes, I know it's so fun to kind of switch roles and come at podcasting from the other side. So I'm excited to be a guest today. Yeah, for sure. The term is a podcast swap is the correct term, the technical term. Yes. <laughs> so you're obviously a career coach yourself. And one of the things right now, especially with the economic climate is layoffs, right? And then you also have people that are in toxic environments and they're looking to get out and you focus on the topic of panic applying. So that's the main discussion I wanted to at least start off our conversation. So Cassie, why don't you tell my listeners more about what's panic applying and how that could be detrimental to your job search? Yeah, of course. So I consider panic applying to kind of be this process that I think many people are familiar with, where I often describe it as, you know, it's nine or 10 o'clock at night, maybe you've had a rough day, and you're kind of going through that job search process, just applying to everything that you see or spending hours scrolling. And as you're kind of looking at positions, you're like, I don't know, and you just start applying or clicking that quick apply button, depending on what platform you're on, and just kind of in this tailspin of feeling really panicked and stressed and applying to a lot of applications. And I typically find that people naturally just kind of get into this mode with their job search at some point or another, and it becomes this really challenging process where you maybe feel like you're doing a lot or you actually are doing a lot. I've worked with people who are like, yep, I've applied to 200 jobs in the last month, but the results of that are not leading to anything. It's not leading to interviews. It's not leading to offers. And so I really like to kind of dive into this panicked approach and to give people tips and strategies to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah. So you're obviously on LinkedIn. You see all these stories about, oh, I applied to 100 jobs. I got two interviews or I applied to 300 jobs in the past few months. I got nothing. So why is that? Like, why are they not getting the response that they want? Like, I'm assu- I am I don't think that they're applying to things like all over the place. There's got to be a few roles that they've applied to strategically. So yeah. why is they're not getting that much response, even though I'm assuming that they're applying to what they think are qualified positions for them? Yeah. So I think, you know, when you hear these stories of people applying to hundreds of jobs and leading to only one or two offers, I think it's really important to pause. And if you are that person to think about what steps have you been taking to apply to those positions. And I think a lot of career coaches, we all kind of believe similarly that the quality of your application does matter and the way in which you're going about your job search really impacts it. And so Often, and I am definitely generalizing here, there are exceptions to everything, but I think most often when people are hitting those hundreds and hundreds of applications and very minimal results, typically that comes from doing these really fast and kind of panicked application sessions where you're sitting down for an hour or two and you're firing off 
15, 20 applications, where then that just means like your application is not going to be of the same quality if you're kind of slowing down and working through that process. I think it also means that in a lot of cases, people are taking a little bit more of a passive approach to their job search and they're using features that some of these job boards offer, like a quick apply or an easy apply button, where it's a very basic profile or a singular application that's going out to all of these jobs. And so in most cases, that means you're not tailoring it. You're not adding any specific keywords. You maybe don't even really know what the job is if you're moving that fast. And I think naturally that just leads to less results. That's actually a good point you make, which is leads me to my next question in regards to the easy apply function on LinkedIn. I personally don't recommend my clients use it. I recommend that you do have a proper resume and cover letter. If it's, I know some places that cover letters are optional, but overall, yeah, some places cover letters are optional, but if they're is an option to put cover leather. I highly suggest that people use it. But what's your thoughts on the easy apply with your experience? Like, do you recommend it or do you think like it's still customizing your application before you apply? Yeah, I always say the easy apply, the quick apply, it's just too easy is what it comes down to. It is kind of my general rule of thumb. I don't recommend it. I also find that because you can't necessarily tailor your application, your resume, add a cover letter and that type of thing, it is just too easy. And so it's so common that on LinkedIn and on these other platforms, you're seeing positions that almost immediately have 200, 300, maybe more applicants. And that really does just come down to like, if you're one of 300, it is really hard to stand out. And when everyone is submitting their LinkedIn profiles through kind of that easy apply or that quick apply, I just have to believe that a company is probably going to start with people who applied through their website and people who submitted a resume and a cover letter and that type of thing. And I've, you know, worked with clients who've done that and applied to so many things using a quick or easy apply and just not had results. So I love LinkedIn so much, but I'm not a fan of the easy apply. All right. So what are some strategies that you can share with my listeners today in regards to more strategic applying than just like panic applying and spamming your resume across hundreds of jobs? Yeah, I think the first thing is that it's really important for people to take a little bit of time to get clear on what they're looking for and what they want and need out of that next job. So whether it be that layoffs are happening and maybe you are in a little bit more of a panicked position, taking a couple minutes to kind of step back and think about where do I want to be working? What type of work do I want to be doing? Do you want to stay in the field that you're in? Do you want to use those same skill sets? Do you want to be at a company that's the same size, smaller, bigger, et cetera? So even just starting with some of these foundational questions can be really helpful in terms of where you're even looking for jobs, but then also making that decision if you want to apply or not. And I think that's where this panic applying really comes into place is that a lot of people are just applying to a lot of things and they're kind of using maybe that initial job title to say, yep, sounds good enough. Or they're doing a quick scan, which then leads to even if you are getting interviews with those positions, they may not even be things that you want. So getting ahead of that, determining what's important to you, determining what you want or need in that next job and using that as a guiding force, I find to be really beneficial throughout the entire job search process, but especially in that initial decision making of like, am I going to spend my time and energy 
on this position or on another position is a really good starting point. I think the other piece of this is that job searches are an emotional process. And especially if you are navigating a layoff, you're dealing with the start of the new year, the end of the year, that type of thing. Maybe you're in a work environment that doesn't feel the healthiest and that type of thing. There's just a lot of emotion and stress and everything that kind of comes into this. And so also setting yourself up for success with your job search and recognizing that you maybe have a full-time job or you have other life responsibilities, that giving yourself kind of that structure or those guidelines in terms of how am I going to search, when and where, you know, what time of day, what days of week, even some of those just basic goals can be really helpful in avoiding that, you know, 9 or 10 p.m. like doom scrolling on any platform, but especially in regards to your job search. So those are a couple starting points. So there's that saying, searching for a new job is a full-time job, right? Yeah. Sometimes people have their own full-time job if they're working right now and looking to make a move. So how do you like balance a strategic application, a job search process for people who are working full-time at the moment? Yeah, I think because it can be such a time consuming process, this is where setting those goals and giving yourself that structure just sets you up for more success. So if you are someone who's working a traditional nine to five, Monday through Friday, that can mean that maybe you're deciding, okay, one night a week from, you know, seven to eight or whatever works in your schedule, Saturday mornings, but picking a designated time to focus on your job search. And I think having that designated time or setting a specific goal, maybe your goal is to apply to two jobs a week and then to network with one person a week, but kind of setting these tangible goals of when and when you're going to focus on your job search and what you're going to spend your time on, I think helps job seekers feel like they're making progress because you are making progress. You have something to kind of hold on to of like, okay, this week I submitted two applications. You're creating that momentum with your job search versus this panicked applying typically comes in where, like I said, you've already had a bad day at work or whatever. Maybe you feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't done anything job search related in a long time. And it becomes this panicked approach versus kind of creating that momentum as you're going. And you know, recognizing that there's going to be ebbs and flows with that. I was just talking with a client yesterday who was reflecting on their job search and kind of navigating this slowed down approach, more intentional approach with their job search. And they were saying, you know, last week they really struggled with it. They didn't feel as productive, but this week they're in a really nice flow and they're hitting on their goals and they're implementing some strategies. Like they found that they were really distracted when they were trying to job search in their apartment. So they're going to the library now to do their job search. And so it's that designated location, designated time. They're meeting their goals and they're creating that momentum. And so we talked about that. And then also how these ebbs and flows, like right now it's November. And so we're going into a week where the next couple of days may be different for that person because they're traveling or they have family in town. And so adjusting your goals to kind of meet those ebbs and flows, I think, is also an important part of creating and maintaining that momentum, but also recognizing that we all do have other responsibilities that have to kind of work and mesh with a job search. Speaking of like what you said, as we get closer to the holiday season, do you believe that 
when it comes to position openings that there isn't really bad time to apply like it's always good to like if there's if there's something that interests you in terms of making a career move it's good to have a plan even if you think that it's slowing down because of the holiday season so do you think like people should still look in the summer and then december or you should be more strategic on when you want to make the move you know i think you should always be prepared to make the move and if you're thinking about making the move I am more of a believer in being prepared to do that and laying the foundation to do that at all times of year versus kind of waiting or picking that time super strategically. Of course, there's going to be scenarios where depending on what job you have and the other life responsibilities and things that you have, you may plan that according to certain seasons. But I also think, you know, you never know what a company is going to be doing. And I think as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, there are some big companies right now that probably people weren't necessarily expecting they were going to have this many layoffs or layoffs this soon and that type of thing. And as we head into different seasons, companies are making different decisions about, you know, if they're closing offices and going 100% remote or if they're seeing big booms in business and they're preparing for 2023 to be a huge hiring season. And so with as much uncertainty as I think we just live in endlessly now, I think it's important to always be prepared. And I think that is also where if you are starting to think about making a career move, the best thing that you can do in terms of that preparation is to start thinking about and paying attention to the companies that you're interested in, the types of roles that you're interested in, and starting to lay that groundwork. Um, maybe that company's not hiring right now this second, but that doesn't mean that you can't be networking with people in that company or in similar roles. If you're thinking about making a more drastic career change, maybe you're not ready to do that right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't be looking at an online course to take or you know, a free certification or something like that, or talking with people and doing informational interviews. So Kind of regardless of what you're seeing the market do, and I think, you know, you can read headlines for days about how hiring's going and what's happening with layoffs, but I ultimately just come down to, like, lay the foundation to set yourself up for success. Be as prepared as possible so that you don't have to get prepared and stress about deadlines or whatever once an opportunity becomes available, and that will make your job search easier in the long run. I know people who got laid off, they don't really have a choice in terms of like job searching. But how about people that are currently working right now that want to make a move? But as you said, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, especially in tech with all those layoffs, as you've heard and seen. So do you think that people should just, like if the job's tolerable, so to speak, do you think that they should stay put for a little bit until it calms down? Or do you think like there's never going to be a right time to search? As you said, like you should always be on the lookout. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it is important to always be on the lookout. I think it's also important if you're in that scenario where you're like, okay, my job's fine, but maybe I'd like to do something else, or you're noticing that there's an area of your work that is maybe less fulfilling or that you're feeling less passionate about or something like that, to use this time to reflect on that. Spend a little bit of time thinking about what those sticking points are or maybe other things that you could get involved with in terms of your current role or outside of your role to add to that fulfillment. And to also, again, start to lay some of the groundwork. If you're thinking about making that move, but you're feeling uncertain about it, and you maybe don't want to start a new job right now because things are kind of tricky and we're seeing a lot of layoffs, like that totally makes sense to me. And that's a 
decision that I think is so personal, depending on who you are, what your other responsibilities are, and that type of thing. But keeping in mind, too, that switching jobs isn't the only option. And that sometimes I find I work with a lot of clients who they like the work that they're doing, but there's just one or two elements that they maybe don't love or that they're not feeling fulfilled in, or there's something new that they want to try. And I know this sounds so simple, but sometimes we just don't have conversations with people about that. We don't talk to our supervisor, our manager, or our coworkers about the things that we either would like to do a little bit less or maybe that we'd like to do a little bit more. And so sometimes a conversation like that can be a game changer in providing you with opportunities to jump onto new projects or can be an opportunity for your company to also say, hey, wait, we don't want you to go. So what do we need to do to keep you? And so kind of keeping that in mind too. And then also, you know, potentially looking at other opportunities that maybe aren't a full switch, but can help prepare you to make that switch when you feel comfortable to do so. Yeah, you make a good point. Like your manager is not a mind reader. They don't know what you want and don't want. For all they know, right. even in your role for a couple of years, you might be happy with where you are, right? So it seems like there's always a breakdown in communication in terms of why they're not currently fulfilled in their job. But again, like you have to initiate the conversation with your manager, whether it's like just a casual conversation or mid or year end reviews, just to outline the goals of what you want in your career. And then if you have a good manager, they'll be able to accommodate you. So you obviously stay and help with the retention of the company, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, whether it's a very casual conversation, whether it's part of your annual review, I think it can also be, you know, knowing what your colleagues and coworkers and depending on the type of environment you're in, maybe other departments are doing. I think there are often a lot of opportunities to collaborate, to learn from other people, to have those conversations. And, you know, sometimes we're just not putting ourselves in situations or having conversations that allow us to then have the opportunity to say yes, right? So kind of creating some of those opportunities, grabbing coffee with someone to hear more about what they're doing in their role or something like that can be a really nice way to initiate those conversations. And I also think, you know, I've been in that scenario too, where sometimes asking or saying like, hey, I'd really like to be doing more of this can feel scary and can feel intimidating. And depending on who your manager is and what that relationship's like, it can be hard. But I also really do believe that if you never ask, the answer will never be yes, right? And so by asking or by sharing that you're passionate about something, it can really change the work that you do or the focus and emphasis that you have in your position. For sure. And in regards to like the clients that you work with, right? What, what are their main concerns in regards to like their job search and the next year in terms of like the job market? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are definitely concerned just in general about like how layoffs are going to continue to impact. And I know with that then comes people who are starting new jobs. There's often this mindset or this belief that like last one hired, first one fired type of thing. And so that's definitely a concern. And I think for anyone who's maybe job searching right now, whether by choice or not, if you're also having that concern about being a most recent hire and what could potentially happen. I think it's important to ask questions when you're in that interview process, especially if you're in a position where maybe you don't necessarily have to leave your company. But, you know, different companies and organizations have a lot of really different philosophies on 
those types of things. Certainly different industries are, I never want to say more or less like immune to layoffs, but I think there are types of industries and companies that they are a little bit less common depending on your role. And I think also looking historically at organizations, especially in the last two years of what decisions have they made, you know, looking at how companies handled the height of the pandemic in terms of their staffing and how they navigated that, I think is insightful. And it has been insightful for me to see that and looking forward. Of course, we don't know 100% what's going to happen and we'll never really know. But I think that's a good starting point. You know, if it's a company that was in the media a lot in 2020 and 2021 for decisions that they were making in regards to the pandemic and people either returning to work or other things around that, that can give you some good insight. And in the same vein, if there's other articles, insight, et cetera, about different companies and the phenomenal ways that they've handled that or how they've supported their employees throughout challenging times like that, pandemic related or otherwise, I think that can be really insightful in just helping you make the most informed decision as we go into a new year. For sure. And like you can collect as much information as you want in terms of like making the right career decision for you. But there's always that element of chance that is involved, which leads me to my, which segues to the next part of our conversation, the term happenstance, well, which you base your podcast off, like that's the name of your podcast, right? So yeah. how have you incorporated that into your career coaching and how you work with clients? Yeah, yeah. So I love talking about happenstance. Happenstance or planned happenstance is a career development theory and essentially looks at how the planned and the unplanned come together and how our careers are a mix of these really intentional decisions, choices, efforts, that type of thing, and also the things that you could never plan for. So for example, if you are someone who's been laid off, like that is an element of happenstance. You probably didn't plan for that to happen. It's an unexpected thing, but that happened and it's part of your career story now and part of that journey. And in the same way that, you know, many people experience happenstance in terms of they maybe didn't necessarily plan on entering a specific field or industry, but a conversation with someone or an opportunity, whether that be when they were in college or university or after, led them onto a specific path that they didn't even know existed, but there they are. So there's a lot of examples of happenstance and how it comes together. And what my favorite thing about it, and especially from a coaching lens, is that we often have these happenstance moments. We just haven't always realized that. And we haven't always taken the time to reflect and to think about how oh, I attended that one event and I met that person and then that led to this job. And so looking at these types of opportunities, I think can show us how, yes, sometimes things just happen, but we can also create opportunities for things to happen. So thinking about, you know, whether it be a layoff or you're just ready to make a career change or whatever the case may be, some of those foundational things that I was speaking about earlier are things you can create. You can reach out to people on LinkedIn and start conversations with them. You can comment on thought leaders' posts or companies' posts and create these opportunities for you to then get connected with people at a company that you're really interested in. Or you can go volunteer at an organization that you're passionate about in your local community and meet so many different types of people and learn about 
where they work and what they're passionate about. And that can potentially lead to opportunities to collaborate on a project or to learn about something else in your community that you never knew about. So from a coaching lens, I like to think about it in both that recognition and reflection, but also then in how we can create these opportunities for ourselves. Yeah. If you don't mind, like, why don't you dive into your own career journey and how Happenstance has helped you shape your career? Yeah, sure. So I was a very kind of classic, I think, student in undergrad who went to school because we were told we were supposed to. And that's what everyone did. So that's what I did too. And I had no clue what I wanted to do or what I wanted to major in and all those types of things. And very much just believed like, I'll figure it out eventually. The quick version of my undergrad experience is that I did not figure it out quickly. And I spent a lot of time switching my major, thinking that I wanted to study different things then changing my mind. And ultimately, I ended up studying abroad in my junior year because I thought like, without a doubt, this will be my aha moment and I will figure out what I want to do by leaving the country, which again, I didn't, but phenomenal experience. But I came back and was just as confused as, as ever. I ended up taking a technical writing course in my junior year at university just because I liked writing and I thought it was something I was good at. And it was through that course that it was my first time really learning how to write a resume properly. That was part of our assignment or coursework was resume writing and cover letter writing. It was also in that course that I had to get on LinkedIn and learn how to use that platform. And because I had taken that course, I just fell in love with resume writing, LinkedIn. I became obsessed with it. And I was suddenly the friend who was helping everyone internship search and job search and do all those things. And it was also through that course that I got connected with my university's career center. And so I began meeting with a career coach. And my plan at the time was to work in some sort of communication-related field. I was looking a lot at event planning, a little bit at marketing and that type of thing. I was doing a couple internships, but Nothing was really clicking necessarily. And it was in my senior year that I was meeting with my career coach and we were actually talking about like gap year programs and other options for me to continue exploring. And it was in that meeting that it truly clicked and I kind of did have that aha moment. And I was like, wait a second, like you get paid to have these conversations. Like I want to do this. How do I get your job? And so they provided me with the next steps and suggested I go to grad school and all of that. So I went to grad school with the goal of working in career coaching and working in in and on college campuses in this capacity. And so that's what I did up until January 2022. So for the last year or so, I've been freelance career coaching. But prior to that, I was all in all capacities on college campuses. So I feel like some of my happenstance moments, definitely that class, also definitely that conversation with my own career coach. But then along the way, I mean, the happenstance moments that have led to so many different opportunities and especially podcasting, huge happenstance moments there from my career. Yeah, you do double duty, right? You have your own podcast and then you have one with Brad, right? The Career GPS? Yeah. So I started podcasting as a co-host, Your Career GPS, almost two years ago, I think. I've been involved with that. And that truly was like a really beautiful happenstance and networking moment kind of all coming together in that uh, 
person that had worked with me as a grad student, I supervised them when they were a grad student at a university I was working at in upstate New York, ended up getting a full-time job after she graduated at the university that Brad worked at in Michigan. And one day he came into the office and was talking about how he needed a podcasting co-host. And because I had some conversations just in general with people I was working with, but also this graduate student at the time about like how much I loved podcasts and wanted to have my own. She just knew that. And so although, you know, this was happening in Michigan and I was living in New York and all these things, when he mentioned needing a co-host, that colleague said, oh, I should connect you with Cassie. And the other kind of irony of this is that through social media and a lot of career coaches being connected, Brad and I were already connected on a lot of platforms. We just hadn't had any conversations really yet. So just a funny moment of kind of how things came together and he reached out and then we started co-hosting together, which has been a wonderful experience that I'm very grateful for. And then that led to me wanting to start my own. And so I launched Happenstance in May of 2022. Great. And the common theme that I get from your career story and our conversation so far is the power of networking Like you've mentioned multiple times about informational interviews. So what is your suggestion for someone that's more shy and doesn't want to reach out to like random people at your target companies? How would you approach someone? Because I think like networking is important, especially if you're trying to get into a very competitive company because getting a referral is a lot stronger than being a cold applicant. So what are some suggestions for someone that is trying to start networking for the first time in their career? Yes. I would say my number one tip, especially if you're feeling a little bit more nervous about it, is to know that a lot of people feel nervous about networking, but start with who you know. And I think people are often surprised by how limited our conversations are with some of our friends and family members and that type of thing about what we actually want, right? We'll sometimes say like, yeah, this is what I'm doing in my job, but you kind of brush it off and like then talk about whatever else is happening in your life versus having those really intentional conversations with, it can be whoever, but people that you know in in your real life, people that you're interacting with on the day to day and having those intentional conversations of saying, I'm really interested in X, Y, and Z. Do you know someone who does that or who has worked in that field can lead to some really interesting insights and that type of thing? And I think we sometimes forget that we have a network. Even if you are not actively networking, you have a network. There are people that you interact with. There are contacts in your phone right now. You know, pull up your phone, scroll through the contacts and say, who could I text and say, hey, do you know anyone who does blank or who works at blank? And I think you'll be surprised at the answers that you get but also at the responses of people saying, I don't, but I think I know someone who does. And so that's a really great starting point. It can often be a more comfortable starting point. And I say too, like, you don't have to blast out a message to everyone you know. Start with one or two people, see what they say, and then move on from there. If you're feeling a smidge more brave, I also think LinkedIn is just incredibly powerful for networking. And there are a lot of ways to find common connections on LinkedIn. So I'm a big fan of the alumni tool on LinkedIn. So if you are currently attending a college or university, if you have graduated from a college or university, looking up your school on LinkedIn, you'll see a button that says alumni on it and you can click on that. And there are some really incredible filtering options where you can filter based on where they live, where they work, what people studied. So through LinkedIn, you can filter alumni from your school who have incredibly similar backgrounds to you. 
You can also just look at who's working at a specific company that you're interested in or who has a job title that you're interested in. And I like that standpoint because it's a little bit of a less cold outreach. It may not be someone that you actually know, and that can still be a little bit scary in terms of reaching out on LinkedIn, but you have that common connection of being able to say, hey, I see that you're working at wherever. We both went to the same university. I'd love to connect and hear more about what you're doing or something along those lines can just create that common connection. And I find that alumni are typically pretty happy to help out other alum when they get that message. Yeah, like that's one of my recommendations too, is like if you have to cold outreach, find some commonalities and the best way to do that or the first thing you should do is see if you can find someone at your target company that went to the same school as you. Yeah, yeah. It's such a powerful tool. And the other thing I love about the alumni tool is that if you're not ready to send that message, that's okay. You can still use this tool just to see how has someone else done it? Because if you're seeing that someone went to your school, studied the same thing that you studied, and now is working at the company that you're interested in, you can see that. You know it's possible, which is the first thing. But then you can also see, as long as their profile is filled out, you can see the exact steps that they took. And I think that is just invaluable information to see, okay, they graduated, then what was job one? What was that title? What was that company? Then what did they move on to? That job, that title, that company, et cetera then they got to that company you want to be at. So when you can see the exact steps that someone else took, that can give you ideas. Maybe you don't take those exact steps, but it can also open up your eyes to thinking about other companies that maybe you want to look at and see if they're hiring or if they have positions that you'd be interested in. It can also just be a really phenomenal way to think about what are some other job titles? What keywords should I be searching and using as you're going through your own process? So Again, even if you're not totally ready to be networking and sending all those messages and setting up informational interviews and really diving into it, I think that information gathering standpoint and that research, I love LinkedIn from that standpoint because they are real people. It's not just Googling something and reading an article about how someone did it. It's how someone really did it, which I find to be really nice. And just to touch upon the networking a bit more, I think the two biggest fears that people have when it comes to networking, especially for the first time, is rejection, whether it's like, I'm not interested or they ignore you. And then the thing about like randomly reaching out, these people say, okay, they know I'm reaching out because I want a job type of thing, right? So they always have, they already have that mindset that they're going in trying to take value. So your ways to help them overcome those two fears. Yeah. I think with the first one, that just general uncertainty or uneasiness around reaching out and it feeling kind of weird, I really kind of believe there's no harm and no foul in reaching out. If you send one LinkedIn message, if you send one email and someone doesn't respond, I think that is never a personal thing. More often than not, people get the email, get the notification on LinkedIn, maybe look at it and then they're like, oh, I'll circle back to this and they forget. Or they read it and they're not interested and they move on. I have never heard of someone sending a professional and polite message and getting a response back that is negative. You know, there's of course going to be exceptions to that, but like those are extreme scenarios where we'd have to dive a lot deeper into it. But I really believe in that no harm, no foul in sending that initial message. I also think the first message you send is going to be the hardest and the scariest, and it is kind of like a muscle, you know, you have to practice and that type of thing. So again, set yourself up for success. Start with people that feel easier to reach out to. Start with someone who can maybe 
make that connection for you. And that's the other beautiful piece about LinkedIn. You can see if you have common connections. So if I see that you're connected to someone that I want to be connected with, and I think, oh, that maybe feels scary to reach out, I can first ask you and I can say, hey, Max, can you introduce me to... And that can be a nice workaround too. So starting with that, I think is good in terms of that fear and just recognizing that it will get easier. The other thing I would truly like can never stress enough to people is that it is just so common for people to, they really mean to respond to you and they just forget. And I'm guilty of this too. I've gotten messages on LinkedIn and I'm like, yep, would love to respond. And then I carry on with my day or I get interrupted or whatever's happening and it just totally falls off my radar. And so sending that follow-up can be equally, if not scarier than sending the first message. But there have been people who've reached out to me and I'm so grateful that they sent a follow-up in the same way that I have followed up with people. And I'm so glad that I did because I then got the response and then we had the call or we did whatever, we collaborated on a project. So that's kind of with the first fear there. And then the second fear was around like, if you're just immediately kind of going in for the job. And so I think that's where your intention matters and where, you know, wanting or needing a new job, wanting that contact at the company, that may be the ultimate goal. But thinking about kind of what your intention is going into the conversation, thinking about how you're wording that email, having, you know, empathy for the other person and that type of thing, recognizing that everyone's busy and all of that, I think is the first and form like first and foremost, the thing to keep in mind. And going in with a learning approach, I think is important wanting to learn more versus wanting to know something and kind of having that curiosity about the person, about the company, about the field is a really nice starting point to be curious and to learn, to gather information and to not have it feel kind of like it can sometimes just feel not good when someone's like, hey, I want a job. Can you help? But when someone's inquiring and has that genuine interest in learning, I think it just changes the whole tone of the message. Great. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to share with me all the strategies in terms of like overcoming panic applying, networking, and then your and then the happenstance theory, right? And yeah. I want to end this conversation with a question I ask all my guests at the end. So as you know, my podcast is about helping uh, professionals overcome common career challenges to get them to the next level. So for you, what has been one big career challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Hmm, I love this question and I love that you ask all your guests this. I think one of my biggest career challenges that I've had to overcome to get where I am now is getting out of my own way, in a sense. I found that I was very comfortable in the role I was in previously working full time, and it was a role that I could have stayed in, I think, until I retired. But I had to kind of overcome that challenge of stepping outside of my comfort zone, getting out of my own way, and more or less saying like, I'm going to take a chance on myself and see what I can do outside of this setting that I'm very comfortable in. And so that has been the last year or so of my life was quitting my full-time job and going all in on coaching and offering private coaching and podcasting and all of that. And I think I will never lie to anyone. It has been the most fun and the most terrifying <laughs> experience in the last year. But I really have enjoyed a lot of the opportunities that have come from this. Like it has been a year of happenstance, which is wonderful. And someone said to me once, like, no matter what, it's going to be worth it. 
And that really clicked of recognizing that if tomorrow I decide I want to work a full-time job at a university again, I always can. And no matter what, this time taking this risk for me, stepping outside of my comfort zone and all of that will be worth it. So I think that's the biggest challenge was getting to that point where I actually committed to saying, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to dive all into it. And speaking of which, how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you can do and how you can help them career-wise? Yes, would love to connect. I am on almost every platform at Career Coach Cassie. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok there. I'm, of course, on LinkedIn. So you can find me there as well. And then I also have my podcast, Happenstance the Podcast, which is available on Apple and Spotify. So reach out on any and all platforms and I'm happy to chat. Thanks again, Cassie, and best of luck in your venture. Thank you so much. I loved having a chat today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Oh,